Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. G'day, this is Better Than Yesterday. Better Make It Quick, the Wednesday edition of the show where we look back on a past episode. One that's worth a revisit because there's hundreds of episodes by now, hundreds of interviews. Each one of them will make your day today better than yesterday because you'll hear something that'll do just that. That is the promise of the show. That's what it does. And I love making this show and I'm grateful, very, very grateful that I do get to make it. I'm Osha Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster. I'm an author. I'm a photographer. I'm a, a someone who's trying to figure out how to bounce a project out of Adobe Premiere into Final Cut Pro. There's all kinds of things I'm trying to do today. And I'm here with you three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. On Wednesdays, we go back and have a listen to one of the uh, interviews that we've done in the past. And today, we're chatting with Dan Rosen. He's a big name in the Australian music industry. He is currently the CEO of Warner Music in Australia. But in 2016, when he came on the show, he was the CEO of ARIA, the Australian Recording Industry Association. Dan had been a champion of Australian music for a long time. And I wanted to know what was the moment when he went, this is it. Music, that's the career for me. I think, I, you know, one of my earliest memories was my mum picking me up from school when I was eight years old and, and telling me that every breath you take had won Song of the Year at the Grammys. And it was like, you know, I was so excited. I was a big police fan and I'd went out and bought Synchronicity on, on red vinyl, which I still have. Oh, my God, that is such an amazing record. Such an amazing record. It was, and But... At that time, I didn't realise that not every eight-year-old kid was, you know, listening to The Police and Cold Chisel was the other, my two favourite bands. Quite opposite ends of the spectrum as far as musical exploration goes. Yeah, Uh, but I just, something about it. And when you're younger, I didn't, it, t- it takes a bit longer to work out that not everybody shares your interests. Yeah. Uh, and that it's, you know, not something that everybody's listening to music so much. And I had piano lessons as a kid and just started playing in bands, in school bands and, and more and more getting into music. What was the first pop song you... Because 
you know, when you're doing piano lessons, you're like, why do I have to learn? And they're, they're yeah. like, it's almost like if you're doing uh, karate or taekwondo, they're, they're set forms to make your fingers learn how to do different things. But you're like, where can I play that? Where can I play the intro to synchronicity? Where can yeah, you teach yeah, exactly. Me? Where can you teach me that? It was probably... <laughs> Maniac, you know the song. You learn how to play that. I think that was because it was almost classical. So I think I got away with it with uh-huh. the with the teacher. And then Elton John, Billy Joel were probably the two. Yeah, kind of the first. Billy Joel's the gateway drug for yeah. a lot of piano players. Yeah, but certainly for me. You get the songbook. You know, oh, yeah, where the it big grey one. Yeah, where it has all the songs there, and and then from there I taught myself about chord, like chords rather than. Rather than reading the sheet music, just reading the guitar tab chords but playing them on the piano kind of opened up the ability to do that. And then you kind of start making up your own songs when you – I was probably 15, 16 when I started writing your own songs and just went from there. Now, pianos are hard to lug around. Did you yeah. have – Well, that, that was my, my insight was when I finished school and we went to Byron for our uh, break up. What do they call it? Schoolies. Schoolies. I'm not sure it was schoolies back then. It probably was. And we went to Byron and I just remember seeing all these cool guys on the beach playing guitar and all the girls, you know, swooning over these guys. I'm like, well, I can't play piano on the beach to try and pick up a girl, so I've got to learn how to play guitar, which I think is most of the reason most guys pick up Me, the guitar. absolutely. I was eight. Yeah. And I saw, I saw the maths. You guitar. saw the light early. Yeah, guitar plus me equals the movie moment. Never happened. Never happened. Not once. Well, I then went, I remember, went into the Bondi, the next day walking into the Bondi market and there was some guy selling a used guitar for 40 bucks and that was it. I bought that guitar and taught myself guitar and that was my, you know, my turning point into playing guitar. Right. And so, so you, I've, but you'd already come to guitar with all the so you'd already had a few interesting things going on in your brain. You'd, you'd read the sheet music, you'd seen the chord structures. Yeah, the I'd, played, I'd been the, the keyboard player in in my school bands, which were named. I think we were called the Lampshades. Yes, we were Flying Circus. Right. That was that was us. And then we were the Brown Hornets. Yeah, and then uh, so what then, covers were you doing? Uh, well, at, at school it was pretty. At school we did Beatles. Crowded House, we did a couple of Crowded House songs. I think then right at the end it was Nirvana, but, you know, Nirvana and keyboards. I became superfluous. <laughs> so by then it's like... I, I know too many chords yeah, for this. I, I need to play, I need to learn guitar. So from the guitar I would then play in university bands. Where I was at law school. Yeah. And our band at law school was called The Well Hung Jury. And Charlie Pickering was in The Well Hung Jury. And Charlie and I, we, 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 we do, you know, romanticise that we should have a comeback at some <laughs> stage. So that was, you know, that was our cover band at, at uni and we would play all the law school barbecues, that, which was a big deal, let yeah. me tell you. At Monash University out at Clayton campus, the law LSS, law school barbecues, were a big deal. Why? They were just, they were out on the lawn and they would be a good piss-up and, you know, we would attract people from all the other schools and it would be like, you know, a couple thousand people. So you could be performing to huge crowds. Wow. Admittedly of law students. But, but still, you know, that's, a, that's an incredible way to start getting to know people and creating a network and learning who does what and, yeah. and meeting people that can maybe help you later in your career. And then I uh, was just, 
I just used to get really excited because I'd be, still be the keyboard guy, but I'd be able to play two or three songs on the guitar, and that was my moment to get out the front. Pull some shapes. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> what kind of tracks were you, were you uh, Then we were like all, we were like probably Triple J, yeah. whatever was big on that moment. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, we'd do song two. We did, one day we did Lakini's Juice by <laughs> Live, which was, went down like a lead balloon. Yeah. Uh, we did like The Distance by oh, Cake. Yeah, the cake. I cr- think that's what um, Charlie, what did we do? He used to do um, Bloodhound Gang stuff. Like uh-huh. we, would, we would do very random right. things. But fun. Great fun. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome fun. But music was, at that point, music was never a, I could do this for a living? No, I think it was always something that I loved. Yeah. Uh, but I was, you know, studying and I was still pretty into my footy AFL uh-huh. at that stage. You yeah. are a tall man. Yeah. So that was kind of my, probably until I was 20, 21, I'd take my weekends were more play, were playing football. Why, why, why law school? Um, my dad was a lawyer. My and I, I loved LA Law when I was a kid. That was like my show. Mm. And I just thought maybe I'd be Victor Sefuentes one day. <laughs> <laughs> How good is that name? Victor Sefuentes. Pretty good. Yes. Uh, and I just, I was studying sciences and, in year 11 and I just, at the end of year 11, thought, you know what, I don't want to do science stuff. I like the humanities and... Mm. It just made sense. You know, you choose these things when you're 15, 16, you don't really have any idea what it means yeah. to be a lawyer. You just... Did you see it through? Absolutely, yeah. I've got a Masters of Law. Wow. Would you believe? So Dan was in a band. The band was called Barefoot. They started getting played on Triple J, which is a huge deal as an Australian band. Triple J is our national youth broadcaster and it has a reach of no other station. It's extraordinary when it comes to music discovery, especially at that time. You're in a band. You're on Triple J. Are you still working as a lawyer? You know, at that time I was working as an advisor to the Australian government, the Minister for Communications. Oh, wow. Richard Alston. And I had this very bizarre moment because they were beating up the ABC at the time, as coalition governments often want to do. And I had to go into his office and say, uh, you know, Minister, I just got to let you know that I've actually just won ABC Triple J unearthed. Uh, So it was a little bit of a interesting conversation. Well, he was very supportive. I mean, I, I had uh, I had a really, I had one of those amazing weeks that week where I had won, I'm going to sound like a wanker, I don't mean to, but I'd won a, a Fulbright scholarship to do my Masters of Law in America. Wow. At the beginning of the week and at the end of the week had won Triple J Unearthed. That's pretty much, uh, what are you going to go and do with your life, yeah, buddy? Yeah, and it was, wow. real, it was a really, you know, it was wonderful. It was amazing. Yeah. I actually thought the and the Triple J call I thought was a prank. Was it? Was, it, it was uh, Robbie Buck. It was Robbie Buck. Ro- Robbie and um, who else would it have been? Uh, I remember Robbie Buck called, and then I uh, and then uh, there was a guy called Chris Scadden at the time was running Unearth, who's now running ABC Music yes. as a whole, and yes. him and I. Yeah, work together quite closely. Now, yeah. So it's a funny thing that we both started in that yeah. realm. Uh, yeah, and I had that kind of real, you know, fork in the road. What did, did you call your folks? Did you call your girlfriend? Or did, what did oh, you do? I was still living at home. So oh, right. I think my, I think, uh, I think I came down for Shabbat dinner on yeah. that Friday night and think I said to my mama, I think I just won Triple Town Earth. And she's just like, you've got to make sure you do your Masters of Law, though. <laughs> <laughs> so what... It, 
what do you do? So you've got this scholarship to study at, at, at what uni in the States? Well, you can go anywhere uh, in America. So I ended up, what I ended up doing was, I guess, you know, Solomon's wisdom splitting the baby. I, I deferred the scholarship for a year, for as long as you could, and uh, took the year off and toured and put out a record and, took, you know, played music and so that was pretty cool. But all during that year I was still very torn between am I going to stay, continue to play music and follow the band or go over and, and do my studies. Yeah. What was the moment where you went, this isn't for me? I don't think there ever was. I probably think there still hasn't really? been. Yeah, I, oh. I think it was more that I figured, you know what, I've got this unbelievable opportunity to be paid to go study in America. I decided, I toured all the universities, you know, I went to Stanford and Harvard and Yale and all the unbelievable and that when you do that sort of thing, they go, oh, Dan, we're so happy you're here. Yeah. Come and check out because they they want the... Yeah, a little bit. I mean, those guys, they've got people from all over the world, so they're not that impressed by, you know, another Fulbright scholar from right. Australia. They're probably hoping that, you know, the, the Queen of England's kids are coming. Right. But, you know, they do, they do certainly help. But then I got to NYU and which is, you know, which is situated in Greenwich Village yeah. in downtown Manhattan. It's crazy. And I was kind of like, well, I can actually go here to university because, you know, Monash University in Melbourne is a great university, but it's in Clayton. And I don't it, know where that is. Well, Clayton is, you know, the just, you know, where it's just completely a soulless campus built in the 60s. It looks like something out of East Germany. You oh, know, okay. you know, it's like got real no, brutalist architecture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's got, there's nothing to do anywhere around there, you drive there and you leave. Okay. Uh, so I didn't, it's not like a Melbourne Uni or Sydney Uni or RMIT where you're in the city and, you know, you've got a cafe, then you've got a school and then you've yeah. got a, a bar. This was isolated. And so the, the thing to live in the greatest city in the world and, you know, the law school's there and next door is where Bob Dylan p- played at the bitter end, you're like, oh, this is awesome. So that was my, really, my decision-making was based on the fact that I thought, well, you know what, how bad can it be to go to New York for a year? Uh, I thought I'd come, I'd come come back and do some shows and play some shows over in, in, in the States. Let's try and do both. Uh, and that was the plan. How did it work out? It worked out pretty well till I fell in love with New York and thought, what I want to live in New York, and and so I I reestablished the band with some American guys, and continued to play. That and, were your songs, so you could, yeah. Oh, okay then. Yeah, so that was that was that's the best. I mean, New York is. Yeah. I think I say Australia is the best country in the world, but I think New York's still the best city in the world. It just has a thing. It's, it's like it's less. I look at it. The more I think about New York City, it's it's less of a a place and like almost like a giant organism yeah. that is that has this superpower. It has this subway system that people can live a fair way out and for not a lot of money can get into the center of it. It has this um, state-run steam system that lives underneath it that heats the bottom seventy or eighty blocks mm. in the winter, f- so your heating is taken care of. You know, it's just this extraordinary garbage collection that says this is and everyone's so packed in there yeah that that's where 
the, the conflict of people bumping into each other randomly is where incredible things happen. And you only get that when you get that compacting of humanity into a certain space is when you get that excitement and Absolutely. the innovation that comes out of that. It really is a remarkable place. Yeah. And it's the sort of city that if you landed and said, I want to be an astronaut, people would be like, that's awesome. Yeah. How can I help you be that's, an astronaut? That's what I loved about America. Yeah. And that's what I think in my, our country, Australia, we could do with a bit more of. Yeah, I think we could. We could do with a bit more I mean, of. they could pro- – America could probably do with a bit more of our pull your head in, mate. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a little okay. bit. okay. But there's, the, there's a balance. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, – I'm hopeful that we're getting a bit better on that and celebrating. I think we are. Yeah, and celebrating our success. I'm seeing it a bit more in music now as well. Like there should be, we shouldn't be shy to want to be successful in what we do. No. And you can be successful without being arrogant and without being a dick. Here at Better Than Yesterday, I like to pay the people that make the show for me. And to do that, I have to play some ads. So you're going to hear some commercials here, depending on where you're listening or how you're listening and who you are. You might get a different ad to the person sitting next to you on the train. But... Hey, you're helping us pay the bills. So thank you. Back in a moment with more from Dan. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Better Make It Quick. It's the Wednesday shorter version of Better Than Yesterday where we go back into the back catalogue and have a bit of a listen to some of the previous uh, episodes, some of the great interviews chosen by Bree Steele, one of our producers. Dan Rosen is who we're speaking with today. He's a influential force in the Australian music industry. And as is inevitable, we spoke about the ever-changing and ever-evolving music industry. It's, it's even different now to when it was in 2016 when we spoke. At the time, he was a CEO of ARIA, but I want us to know what is, you know, what he was looking to do in the next couple of years from that. I want to help more of our artists get international recognition. I think they're starting to do that. You know, the ability for artists now to uh, increase their profile and and get songs heard by people around the world is phenomenal. You know, I think we use the arias as you know as an opportunity once a year in the lead up and then on the night to really showcase the best in Australia. And that's now getting broadcast throughout Asia and, you know, picked up in, in the UK and, and US. And that's really important. Working with the streaming services to make sure Australian artists are getting on playlists and having local playlists so that not everything is programmed out of Stockholm or Silicon Valley. That is a if I look fused down the track, that's the biggest challenge. Stockholm, Spotify. Stockholm, Spotify, yes, and, you know, Silicon Valley, Apple, Google. Yeah. If, if, we, if we're moving into a streaming world, which looks inevitable, 
until it's not, but, you know, for at least for the next five years, that's sort of where, where we're moving and that's how people are listening to music and a lot of people are using playlists, program playlists in order to listen to music. That's how Gigi discovers new songs. Yeah. yeah. So how do we get either local playlists that are things that Gigi wants to listen to or that the global playlists have a smattering of Australian artists? Because that really, you know, is going to be how kids mm. discover music and we want to make sure they're discovering Australian music. You know where else she discovers music? Right. Musically. That oh, I love That's amazing, that. She, what did she sing to me the other day? She sang, last night in the car, she starts singing Frank Ocean. I'm like, how do you know Frank Ocean? She goes, oh, it's a musically. Like, that's Frank Ocean. Yeah. And she and I drove around singing, I've been thinking about you, oh, yeah. yeah. We, were thinking, yeah. So we were singing Frank Ocean together. Crazy. It was the greatest it was so good. Well, carpool karaoke—that's that, you know—that's that's cool, a monster, isn't that's it? That's the cool, cool thing. That is, a, that is, a, that is an absolute, absolute. But that, I mean, really, the, the car is probably still the best place. Yeah, yeah. And you go back, took me back when you asked what was it like recording. I mean, that always the the test was whether you recorded in a good studio or a home studio. You'd burn that back in that. You'd burn a CD and then you'd get in your car and you'd listen to it. That's your reference. And you'd drive around. Because you know how things sound out of your speakers. Now things sound in your car and it's still, you know, the car is a surround sound, Mm. awesome music experience. It really is. Yeah. And it's shared with friends usually. Shared with friends and you've got movement and, you know, vision as well. So Excitement, there's a journey. Thanks for getting me back uh, uh, on the live stage doing some live TV, man. Oh, it was awesome. Super fun. Killed it. Super fun doing Aries with you. That was a lot of fun. I'll, I'll say this right now. I don't mind if you don't get me to do it again. I had a really great time. It's totally okay <laughs> if you get someone else to do it. Uh, you always got my vote. Ah, oh, man. It's, uh, it's, it's super fun doing the big live ones and it's super fun having, you know, in, well, it's in such, the room. It's such an incredible night and I hope the people at home appreciate it because most of those people – could in and of themselves play that stage, obviously. And to get all those incredible artists to come together in the one on the one night in the one room and you know and put rivalries and egos and everything aside, it's really pretty crazy. And the collaborations you managed to pull off are pretty Yeah, great. the collaborations are amazing. And as you know, it's kind of it's a little bit like a swan, you know, we it, it feels hopefully it feels seamless, but there's a lot of stuff, you know, where even right up until you press go, you're still making changes. Mate, in the middle of the show. Yeah. <laughs> and that's – and it's rock and roll. But that's it, what I love about it. Yeah. It's that's bit, the best part. Yeah, it's very rock and roll. Yeah. And, you know, the music industry and musicians aren't cookie cutter and they're not drones and they are – personalities which is why we love them uh, and it means that dealing with them is not a straight line you know it's not to get from a to b you go that way you have to go around in circles and back around the block and mm-hmm. and move a dressing room or two and, that, and that's <laughs> and that's part of the special nature and it's yeah. that's always something when you're dealing with sponsors and networks and mm-hmm. is explaining to them that sometimes things are happening not to spite anybody you know not not because people are being difficult, that's just how they deal with the world. And I think sportsmen are very different because sportsmen are used to doing what they're told effectively, particularly team sport, because if you don't do what the coach says and what the team rules are, then you're out of the team. And so I think that sponsors and networks and people dealing with sport are much more used to saying, well, let's do it this way and that's how Mm -hmm. it happens. Whereas music is not 
like that, which adds to the special nature of it, but it adds to the degree of difficulty. Yeah, it's super fun. Uh, it's super fun and, you know, I love it. And that's why I think that, you know, having been an artist, not to the level that guys we have performing, but having done TV stuff and performing, you know what, where their head's at and where they're coming from. And I hope that I can be their champion in those. That's Dan Rosen. He's a champion of talent, a champion of Australian culture, really. Because what else is Australian music than Australian culture with a song behind it or a melody that you can whistle? The full conversation's a cracker. Check it out at episode 147. Just scroll on back and you can find it there. I've got a jet. Thanks so much to Bree Steele, who wrote and produced this episode. Andy Marr on audio and video post-production. Toe Hyder with the music and Rachel Barrett, the executive producer. I'm going to split. I'll see you on Friday. If you want to get in touch with me, super easy. Send us your email at gmail.com. Take a photo of whatever it is you're looking at right now. You know, is it a ceiling? Is it a blanket? Is it a book? Is it a cat? Send us your email at gmail.com. What are you listening to right now? Take a photo, email it. If this episode helped you, if you liked this episode, please share it with someone. That'd be really great if you could. I'll see you on Friday. Thanks for joining us. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 